to, okay, I think our youngest children are going out, and our, it's all right, um, as well, Kresh and Sparklers, thank you guys so much. Great, thanks Andrew, bless you. Oh, normally they're excited. Oh, don't know whose daughter that was. Well, it's great to see you today. Obviously, as Helen said, uh, holiday season is striking. And uh, some of you, most of you will have been here, I think, over the preceding weeks. And uh, we've been looking at a series on spiritual gifts over some weeks now. And Ufuk spoke last week and intimated that we'd come to the end. We nearly have. We're going to have a time of prayer next week when we're all together uh, and pray for God to uh, stir up in us and pour out in us the gifts of his Holy Spirit. Um, as we open a little bit from the Word and then pray together. But today I want to do something slightly different. And um, it, it's partly in, in reaction to the fact that we've done this for quite a few weeks now. And, uh, and I'm preaching on this topic today, still on the, the Holy Spirit, but speaking on life in the Spirit, because I want to just step back a little bit from looking only at spiritual gifts. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched children playing and got a bit nervous, have you? Um, so I mean, here's a, an, an old children's toy thing, seesaw. And many of you will have played on this in the, the playgrounds and uh, you've watched catastrophes unfolding before your eyes as you see one child who's slightly larger and slightly more enthusiastic and energetic on one end and one child who's slightly lighter and whose feet can't touch the floor on the other end and you watch as li- little child flies up into the air and lands in various forms on the seesaw or on the floor. And you've, you've maybe seen these things unfolding and, uh, and there's a little nervousness in you. Well, the, the key point of this is that you've got to get balance. Now, balance on its own isn't very exciting because you just sit there and don't do anything. So you need to kind of get some motion going as well. And my prayer is that as we've been talking about gifts of the Spirit and as I've been hearing stories about uh, the expectation that we're carrying for God to give us gifts of the Spirit, there is motion. God is at work and he's stirring us. But at the same time, I just want to check that we're in balance uh, today. And, and just so we, we're doing a bit of evening out on the seesaw today uh, to just make sure that um, while we're pressing into one thing, we don't lose sight of the bigger picture of what the Spirit of God's all about. And that's my hope today. Um, today I want to look at the reality of life in the Spirit. I've got a conviction that when the Holy Spirit's given to us, uh, that is a fundamentally transforming thing. It's life-changing and transforming. We're never the same again, and that's the conviction from which I'm speaking from today. The reality being that we don't often live like that. So we, we know and we believe that our lives are changed, and yet in reality, when we, we look at our lives, sometimes there's a gap, and that can be quite painful for us as we try and reconcile those two things. So today, um, I want to uh, pull back a little bit from looking at spiritual gifts and look at how the Spirit is at work in the whole of our lives. And I think one of the things I've observed as we've been looking at spiritual gifts is that we've been looking at how individuals are given gifts and we've realized we can have multiple ones, but it kind of focuses on our differences in a way. And today, I want to talk about the things that unite us in the Spirit, the things that join us together, the things that make us the same. And uh, just a few things I hope will be helpful to each one of us. The first is this, under the point living by the Spirit, is that we are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit for life itself. Utterly dependent. In Jewish tradition, 
and reflected in the story of the Old Testament, the story of the Bible opens with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters in creation, Genesis 1. The Spirit of God. Nothing's happening without the Spirit of God at work, hovering over the surface of the waters. As as God creates, the Spirit is involved in that creative process. And then we read through the story of creation, Genesis chapter 1, day after day after day, as God creates, and we get to Genesis 2, as after God has already made human beings, we then, the story then dives into a bit of the, the story of the creation of mankind and what that was like and takes a slightly different perspective on it. And we read there that God formed the man out of the ground and that he breathed life into the man and he became a living being. The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life. And, and the, you, you may not immediately notice a connection between that and the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, but the word for spirit is breath or wind, ruach. And it's the same sense here that, that God is breathing into man his life, that life-giving, animated, animating spirit. And we see in this Passages God has made man from the dust that without the Spirit of God, without the breath of God, he's just a lump of dust formed together. It's only when God breathes that man becomes a living being. And, and I know we're so familiar with this, but this is a concept which shapes, shapes political theory, it shapes sociology, it shapes philosophy, it shapes the way we do life day by day, because fundamentally the Bible story is that all of our life depends on God, that we are not self-existing beings, that we don't just form ourselves into existence, that we can't determine our own existence, that we can't decide Ultimately, the the great realities of life, we depend on Him. We depend, all existence depends on God. So I'm not a self-determining human being separate to everything else. My My whole existence is utterly dependent on God. That's why Christians have been at the forefront of campaigning for issues about the sanctity of life for generations. Because life isn't determined by us, it's determined by God. It depends, our, our whole existence depends on Him. That's why Christians are at the forefront of some of the most challenging issues in, in politics and sociology and social theory today. Why? Because we carry this belief at the core of our being that when we're talking to another person, that other person, their whole existence depends on them having been created by God that they didn't determine themselves, that we didn't just come up with a bright idea and force ourselves into existence, but that we're utterly dependent on God. That idea carries itself through the Old Testament and and is added to, as we know, by the fact that God chooses to anoint and empower individual people. He breathes on them in a special way, His Holy Spirit. And we get this sense then that as this is taking place, as one person in a group this size maybe, or in a whole nation sometimes, is anointed by God, others are watching and looking for evidence and seeing, well, what's the evidence that that person particularly has the Holy Spirit, that God at work in their lives? And they're looking and they're checking and they're seeing what, what, what are the signs of, 
of the Holy Spirit at work. And then eventually, as we read through the story of the Old Testament, we get to someone like John the Baptist, and people are going out to him to hear him preach and recognizing that he's a person anointed by God. And it's no great surprise that in the gospel stories, we get a man called Nicodemus coming to see Jesus. And Nicodemus comes to see Jesus, and he comes late at night, and he says this, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And this is a recognition of this concept that though we all are animated by God and though we all have our existence utterly dependent on God, there are some people that God is with particularly. And that's, this is kind of an encapsulation, embodiment of that, that theory outworked in practice. And Nicodemus is coming to say, well, I think there's something special about you. There's something different about you than there is in me or in others. There's something different about you because there's signs that you're doing that show that God is with you. You're one of those people that the Spirit's on. And that seems like a great introduction, doesn't it? It's not flattery. It's genuine. He's looking for someone who, he's a teacher himself, and Nicodemus has come to Jesus, and he's looking to, to identify this, this man of God and see what God is doing. It's, he's not flattering him. He's not trying to big up Jesus' ego or anything like that. He's just saying, he's just saying a statement of fact. We recognize that you're someone who's come from God. And you might expect, if you were Nicodemus, that what Jesus says next would follow on from what you've just said. But it's quite likely Nicodemus hasn't, met Jesus for a private conversation before so maybe he hasn't noticed how Jesus does things because Jesus does what Jesus often does which is someone starts with a statement and Jesus seems to come with something completely different back as a response but actually it's not that different when you read it Jesus replied very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again I tell you later on, he says, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Nicodemus has come looking for one to see if he's a man uh, anointed by God, to see if he's one empowered by God, to see if there's, that Jesus is one that the Spirit of God is resting on. And Jesus picks up on that very sense and turns it around and recognizes that Nicodemus has come looking. And he says this, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, unless they are born again. He's saying, you're looking for signs, Nicodemus. You're looking on the outside. You're looking for evidence that I'm a, I'm a good teacher. I'm a godly teacher. But actually, there's something deeper that you could see. There's something deeper that only, if only your eyes were opened, you'd be able to see because you'd be able to see the kingdom of God. And that doesn't come just by looking at signs. It doesn't just come by, by observing or by listening to my teaching. It comes by being born again. Now, Nicodemus was a good man, he was a teacher, he was a leader, he was a Pharisee, he was religious, he was faithful, he was spiritual, he was disciplined. But Jesus tells him that despite all of that, he's not yet begun. It's time for him to be born. Now, I know we, many of us know this, most of us will know this. But Jesus is showing the fundamental significance of a spiritual birth in addition to God giving us life in the first place. He's saying, you, you, even though you've lived all these years, you've, you've learned, you've taught, you've studied, you've presented, still, Nicodemus, still you need to have a new birth, a spiritual birth, 
a birth of the Spirit, not a natural one like your one of water, but a birth of the Spirit and to come into the presence of God and the kingdom of God. And then the conversation ends a little bit later on. A few more verses, but that's it. My encouragement and challenge is this, that if the Holy Spirit gives us life at the beginning, and if the Holy Spirit is the means and and way that we are born again, and if we're only born again into the Spirit, if that's true, and I believe the Bible presents that so clearly, our response should be one of worship. Should be one of worship because everything we have depends on the Spirit. The Spirit gives us life. The Spirit allows us to turn around from our sin. The Spirit of God allows us, convicts us of sin and points us towards Jesus, who is the one who saves. And so we should worship God in response. Secondly, we, we, we live in the Spirit. And this is the sense that unfolds through the New Testament particularly, that unlike in the Old, the Holy Spirit is with us in good and bad times. Jesus is particularly concerned with his disciples to show them that he's not going to leave them on their own. And he he unpacks this to them in a particular way. He says this, And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's a provocative word, isn't it? Orphans. He, he could have said all sorts of things there. I'll not leave you alone. I'll not leave you on your own. I'll not leave, but to, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's as if Jesus is highlighting their, their need of him, their utter dependence on him, and the fact that if, if he's not with them, they, they, could be completely, they could feel completely on their own. And he's identifying with that and saying, actually, you're not going to be on your own. It's going to be better than that. I'm going to come to you through the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at powerful gifts, amazing gifts, gifts that are good, gifts that enable and empower the church. But but in bringing balance, I just want to bring us back to this point that we start with worship, recognizing our utter dependence on the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we want to live in in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that means that we're not on our own. This isn't glitzy. It's not impressive. This isn't the stuff that, that you're, we, we're going to tweet or put on Facebook or whatever else other mechanism you have for sharing things, or Instagram or whatever else. Th- this kind of thing isn't, isn't necessarily the greatest story that you want to tell, but it's a fundamental reality that underlines everything we believe and do, that you're not on your own, that I'm not on my own, that by his Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us today. He's with us today even in the tough times one of the a little bit later on in the book of Acts there's some people chosen by the early church a group of people where there's a problem practical problem and some people are being overlooked Um, two sides of the church, the Jewish side and the Greek side. And and, and when it came to distributing the food, because people were being fed as part of the church service um, and practice in the community, some were being overlooked and they complained to the the church leaders, uh, the apostles, and uh, they said, well, go and choose some people to administer the food, make sure everyone gets fed. Uh, And the instruction was that they should go and choose people who were full of the Spirit and wisdom. 
And one of those is a guy called Stephen. And Stephen preaches and uh, Acts chapter 6 says this, but they couldn't stand up against, that's not the church, that's the people outside, the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. This is a man anointed by the Holy Spirit in powerful ways. And the next story, as this continues, once he's preached, is, is that he, Stephen begins to unfold the story of the gospel, the good news that Jesus is the way. And the good news that shows, and he shows through the Old Testament narrative, why people needed Jesus and what they did to him. And the story says this, when the members of the Sanhedrin, that's one of the Jewish councils, heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. It goes on to tell of how uh, the the crowd pick up stones and stone Stephen to death. As I was writing this, I was hoping I'd encourage you, but as I've just said it, it sounds a bit depressing. But I'm just aware that when we're talking about spiritual gifts and we're talking about prophecy or, or miracles or healing or we're talking about some, some things that are quite exciting maybe, perhaps at a deeper reality there's Loads of us in the room who are saying, yeah, that's great, and I've got a load of stuff going on right now that feels quite hard. And sometimes we can wonder how we could possibly hang on to this truth that God wants to do these exciting things and the reality of this truth that life's actually pretty tough. And I I found this story compelling Because the Holy Spirit isn't just with us in times of great joy. The Holy Spirit isn't just with us in those victory times, in those moments where someone's healed, someone's set free, the bills are paid off, and all your worries are sorted out. It's not just then that the Holy Spirit's there. This story shows us that Stephen, at the moment he's dying, is radiantly full of the Holy Spirit of God. That God doesn't abandon him, that he fills him to to a glorious measure, that he's... looked up and he sees the glory of God and his face shines and there's there's this sense that God is with Stephen and pleased with him and proud of him and delighting in him. I, I, I don't think Stephen could ever have been closer to God than at this moment. I, I think he's, he's seeing God and, and, and he's full to overflowing of the Holy Spirit right at the moment that he's dying. We go through so many situations that disappoint us because life's hard isn't it at times it's it's tough there are times people let us down or they mistreat us or there's times we do the same to other people we don't realize it at the time but we do there's times when people lose everything and Stephen here is losing his life and yet it's at that moment that the spirit's there it's at that moment Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. And I don't know what every single person here is going through. But he does. And he's not left you. And he's not walked out. He's with you. More than just being with you, he's sustaining and supporting and helping and providing. He's with us in the fire. There's a story of the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. In the book of Daniel. And, and they're thrown into a fiery furnace. And as the, the king 
Nebuchadnezzar looks in to see these three and see what's going on. He looks and he sees a fourth person in the furnace. Amazing story. Seems to be that God has somehow turned up in that place of challenge and struggle and difficulty. He's with them in the fire. And in the valley, when we read of walking through the shadow of the, the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23, God is with us in those moments. There's a new song. I can't remember if it's on our coming song list or not. But there's a new newish song that came out, I think, last year from, from Hillsong. And this is the chorus of that song, the first chorus. It says this, There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters, thinking of the Exodus story, holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. And that's looking back. The second chorus is this. There is another in the fire. Not there was. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another in the waters holding back the sea. And should I ever need reminding what power set me free? There is a grave that holds no body. And now that power lives in me. It's good, isn't it? There's a third chorus that says this. There'll be another in the fire. Now, why, why would we need to sing that sometimes? Because there may have been a fire, and we might be in one now, but it's quite likely there's another one to come. Those of us that are old enough and wrinkly enough to have lived a bit realize that, don't we? That, that it's quite likely that there's another one coming. There is, there'll be another in the fire, standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters, holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding how good you've been to me, I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. And we can't always see it at the time. We don't always know it, do we? There are times when we walk through situations and we, and I do this, I feel this, and we say, God, where are you? God, where are you? I don't get it. I don't understand. I can't make sense of this. What's going on? And sometimes it's months. It might even be years for some people that you carry the sense of, God, where are you? But as you press in and hold on and trust and, and say, God, I know you'll be there. I know by faith it's only after some of those circumstances you've gone through that you are able to look back and go, he was there. He was there with me. He never left me as an orphan, regardless of how it felt, regardless of what I thought I was going through. Actually, God was faithful in all circumstances. We see this as well, thirdly, that we're led by the Spirit. God gives us the Spirit not for His presence and for progress. I'm trying to get this seesaw right today. It, it would be possible, if I didn't preach on all of this in one go, to think that the Holy Spirit's given to create us and to give us life and to comfort us because He's with us. But actually, it's not about that alone. Uh, God wants to move us on from where we once were to where He wants us to be. And Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. Not only I won't leave you as orphans, but he says this. And then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. Guide you into all the truth. That's the promise that the Holy Spirit's coming to guide us into truth. That's exciting. There's a journey. We're not static. We're being led. That the Holy Spirit is moving us forward and is the presence of God with us, showing us how to live. I mentioned the guy earlier, Stephen, and said that he was one of seven people chosen in Acts chapter 6 and the, 
the criteria given to the church when they were choosing was that they would choose people who were full of the Spirit and wisdom. And again, that got me thinking that there must have been some observable traits about Stephen that showed that he was full of the Spirit. Because after all, there were thousands who had been filled with the Spirit. People had been had the Holy Spirit poured out of them. Some of them had tongues of fire and spoke in other languages in a, in a big group setting. And it was, it was amazing and remarkable. And, but there must have been something special about Stephen that showed that he was exhibiting the Spirit. And I suspect and believe that that's because he'd allowed the Holy Spirit to work in his life and lead him forward to a place of ongoing transformation. That he hadn't stayed the same. Paul picks up this theme. (laughs) Yeah, Paul. We talk about him a lot, don't we? And it's just helpful to note, I know you know this, but we've talked about Stephen, but Paul was there. Paul was there at the time. This man who would become one one of the greatest church leaders uh, and a great preacher and an apostle was there while Stephen was being stoned. And he'd watched and he'd given approval to his death, but he'd watched this man full of the Spirit being stoned to death. And then Paul himself, once he's become a Christian, writes these words. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control can you imagine the transformation that's taken place in Paul's life as he stood giving approval for a man to be stoned to death and then he's writing about the same spirit that's that's filled Stephen and he's saying these words and then he adds this line since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other the work of the spirit is is profound and deep. It's, it's called a fruit here because it, it, it needs to grow. And I'm, I'm not a gardener. I've told enough stories over the years that you know I'm not a great gardener. I can recognize some plants. I can cut the grass and I can do those sort of jobs. But I'm not great. I quite enjoy the weeds when they've got flowers on them because um, they grow quite well and don't need much looking after. Um, and you just need to calm them down a bit. And some of them look quite nice, don't they? Well, they do in my mind. Um, But fruit trees, I know, require pruning and care. If you go to a vineyard, you'll see them dressing the vines and caring for them and tending them. Uh, And that kind of care and attention and longevity actually produces good fruit. And all the biblical characters know that. And this journey that the Spirit wants to lead us on is one of ongoing transformation. Now, a little bit of frivolity for you for a moment. Not to just be silly, but to make the point. Um, there's a, an app you can get on your phone which actually came out two years ago. There was a bit of a thing about it and then it died down and now it's come back again a little bit. And it's called FaceApp. Some of you have been using this, I know. Not looking at anybody in particular. Um, but you've been putting photos around. And um, this is the idea is that you can put your own picture up and then you can show yourself in different situations without hair or with a different color beard or whatever else or younger or older and all the rest of it. So I thought, well, I'll have a look. I I didn't do it before because apparently all your data gets sent to Russia. And I thought, well, I'm not so so sure I'm keen on that. Um, But I looked at it again. I thought, oh, go on. I've not got any data to share or worry about anyway. So we'll have a go. So I I did this and I took a selfie and uploaded it and showed myself older than I am. I didn't like what I saw, (laughs) if I'm honest. It didn't look good. Um, It looked pretty rough, actually. And so what I did, I went back and found an old holiday photo when I was stood in nice sunlight, 
beautifully lit. I'm not saying my face was beautiful, but it was beautifully lit. I had a T-shirt on and I was relaxed. I thought I wasn't haggard and I, wasn't, and I still didn't like the result. This is what I saw. <laughs> so, so Judith's not here. She's at Southside, but she'll see the future me when she sees that. Now, I'm not sure how accurate that is, but I'm not pleased with the result. Um, Unhelpfully, it doesn't give me a time scale. <laughs> so I don't know if that's six months or, <laughs> or a bit longer. Um, but I, I'm going to get that off, if you don't mind, because it's just it's, it's too disturbing. And you're going to need to eat lunch in a bit. Um, but I've noticed that as, as I'm aging, those changes are imperceptible. You don't notice from one day to the next. It's not until something takes you by surprise that you notice. I remember a couple of years ago being in the barbers and having my hair cut, as you do in the barbers, um, generally speaking, and I go to the same one and they'd, they'd got, I think they'd changed from having white bib things that you wear to black ones. Now, some of you know where I'm going with this story. And I'd had my hair cut and I looked down to discover that someone else's hair <laughs> was on the bib thing because it was all grey. Oh. Where has that come from? And I suddenly realized that actually the bit I'm looking at in the front were kind of, you know, it's disappearing anyway, but the bits I was looking at were a bit more gray than I'd realized. And those, those changes are subtle. You don't notice until you're brought up short. Did you see a photo of yourself, perhaps from a few years ago? Or, or you look in the mirror and you see a parent. That you, you know, you get those moments, don't you? In a similar way, but hopefully a, a more positive way, not that there's anything wrong with looking like your parents, it's just a surprise. In a similar way, in a more positive way, the changes that the Spirit's working in us may be imperceptible, but should still be leading us somewhere. We trust and we pray, and as we walk in step with the Spirit, uh, let us keep in step with the Spirit, then uh, hopefully you can will be changed, not hopefully, but we will be transitioned and changed by God as he's at work in us. And, and we'll end up with a future us that looks different to the present us because he's been at work in us. But we've got to keep in step with him. Um, Nat, would you come up onto the stage? We've not talked about this um, or, or done anything about it, but just, just come for, with me for a minute. Um, so what we're going to do did we talk about this? We didn't talk about this earlier, did we? And, and again, it's not... So what we're going to try and do is just walk across the stage, if that's all right. So you, you walk just, just from the speaker to there, okay? You just, just walk. Yeah, that's fine. And then come, I know you feel a bit silly, but I didn't think you'd mind. <laughs> this is my son, by the way, in case you're wondering. Okay, come back again. Now, I want you to imagine that Nat is the Holy Spirit, and I'm me and um, what we can do sometimes is we can be so excited if you just walk along again we can be so excited we just walk along we're so excited that we've got the Holy Spirit with us we're, we're like it's, it's amazing isn't it it's amazing and then something happens and we're distracted uh, and we're caught up in something else and, and the Holy Spirit hasn't actually moved on because he hasn't left us but our attention is distracted and, uh, or, or we're, we're trying to rush ahead at times come, come back this way and we'll, we'll walk along again and sometimes we're like, oh, I think, I think I need to be over here. This is really exciting. I've got to be into this. And, and actually the Holy Spirit's walking at a different pace. And he's saying, come on, I want you to walk with me. And just step by step, we journey together. 
we walk together. And as I'm, as I'm letting the Holy Spirit lead uh, and I'm following along, I've got to keep in step. And Nat, you did, um, what was it called? CCF at school. Now, I'm not going to ask him to demonstrate, but lots of marching around, kind of dressed up in outfits. Um, not just for fun of it, but army or RAF or whatever else. And so Nat used to have to do marching, and, and we're not going to do that. Don't panic. Um, but the whole point is that you have to keep in step and keep walking in step. And, and at times, you know, you can, you can do funny walking, can't you? I'm not going to try and do the John Cleese-style walk, but, but the whole point is I've got to keep up with where the Holy Spirit's going. And if, if the Holy Spirit stops or pauses or slows down, I've got to keep in step. And if it goes off in a different direction that I hadn't planned to go in, thank you, Nat, you guys are I've got to follow on with the Holy Spirit and keep in step. Why? Because if I'm not following the Holy Spirit, I'm going on my own. It's as if I can determine my own course and my own destiny because I know what I want to be when I get to a certain stage in life. But actually my calling as one created by God utterly dependent on him, filled with his spirit, is to keep in step with him and let him determine how I grow and how I move on. And that's hard. Sometimes it's not dramatic. Sometimes it's really slow. Sometimes it's fast and you're struggling to keep up because God wants you to move on. But actually the encouragement and the challenge is if the Holy Spirit's leading, then we follow him. That's it. If he's leading then we follow him. And I will finish with this. Equipped by the Spirit, God equips and empowers us for battle. There's a, there's a, a passage in the Bible which says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We're in a battle. And it's not a battle against people, though we may challenge people. It's not a battle against political ideology or theories, though we may have to stand up against both. It's not a war on people who have different views to us, but we are in a battle. And it affects us every single day. Every day you go to work, you're in a battle. And it's a spiritual battle. It's not a battle with your co-workers. It's not a battle with your boss. It's a spiritual battle. As you go home, you're in a spiritual battle. As you're struggling with different things, you're in a spiritual battle. All of us are. And the call is to know the same Spirit of God who creates us and fills us and walks with us and leads us, empowering us to stand. And when we've done everything else, to stand and to pray in the Spirit and to trust Him. So let me just sum up really quickly. If we're created by Him, our response should be that we worship. If He's present with us in the fire, our response can be that we trust Him. If He's leading us, our response should be that we follow Him. And if we're equipped by Him for the battle, then we should stand and fight in Jesus' name. And my prayer today, as we think about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, is that we might be encouraged and equipped and challenged to do all that God wants us to and know him more. Next week, um, my hope and expectation is that I'll be able to share very briefly, um, well, 10 minutes or so, uh, and then we'll spend more time praying together and actually seeking God together for the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and encouraging each other in those. Um, it's a joint service next week, so we'll all be together, united service, 
And uh, so I wanted just to, us to finish off in a practical way after having spent these weeks looking at the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would come through your Holy Spirit and encourage us. Lord, for those here today who are feeling like they're on their own and they're up against it uh, and, and they're wondering, Lord, what do I do? How do I get through this? What do I do about it? Lord, I pray that, that you would show them if there is something they need to do about it, but also you'd encourage them that you are with them, that you're with each one of us, that we're not alone. And those of us who, who, who maybe we've, we've got out of step with you, we've been running our own race, running our own course and determining what we're going to tell you you should do. Actually, Lord, I pray that you'd help, re- help us recalibrate our steps, that we might walk in step with you and go where you want us to. Lord, forgive us, please, if we've been rushing ahead or lagging behind. But I pray that we might walk in step with you day by day by day so that you might transform us to become those that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.